The bells rung, and welcome to another edition of the Icon Showdown Podcast. I'm your trusty host, Enan Hannigan. And today on the podcast, we are going to be breaking down um, and ultimately pitting against one another uh, the two most compelling and uh, noteworthy horror films of 2015. I know I made a boo-boo yesterday in the podcast and said that that was the 2015 one, but actually that was 2014. Babadook and It Follows were 2014 movies, so I think I misspoke on the previous podcast. Nevertheless, today we are breaking down The Green Room and The Witch. Two of my all-time favorites. I love both of these movies so much. I can't say that I really have a bias in the way that I might have had with The Babadook. I love The Green Room, and then I love The Witch, and they're doing such different things in terms of horror. I can't wait to start talking about these two. Um, So as we do here on the Icon Showdown podcast, we break it down in terms of criteria, and we objectively decide which is going to be the best, the most iconic, if you will, of that given year. Um, So we break it down in terms of the antagonist, the ensemble, the surviving character or characters, the settings, the deeper meanings, and the fright factor involved. So as it stands, The Witch was released in February to a mass audience, and The Green Room was that subsequent April. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to start talking about the big bad, the antagonist, in The Witch. So ultimately, there are a few big bads in this. If you really want to boil down to it, super spoiler alert here, but it is our main girl, Thomason. Thomason, uh, played by Anya Taylor-Joy. Uh, she is suspected to be a witch by her brother and sister. Uh, they're cast out of the town because people are a little wary of her and ultimately the family as a whole. Um, And we find out that she is, in fact, the one that sacrificed the baby to another witch that happens to live very close to where they've decided to settle after being kicked out of town. Um, Beyond Thomason, as noted, the actual witch um, that eats the baby, uh, chops it up and eats it good. Um, And it does appear that there are more witches around as well, because in our final sequence... Uh, there's a number of girls around a fire, kind of like the old-timey version of, of the craft uh, is what we got going on here, except that it's much more powerful with much richer characters as a whole. Uh, I think this is one of the best portrayals, if not the best portrayal, of a witch or ultimately what becomes a coven at the end I- I've ever seen. Uh, I was scared out of my boots for a lot of this movie, uh, and a lot of it had to do with um, really not knowing whether or not I could trust her because we really don't know whether or not Thomason is the witch uh, until the very end. So, um, in terms of her motivations, it seems like she wants agency more than anything. She wants to have control over her own destiny, sovereignty from her parents. Her parents are willing to actually kind of kick her to the curb, uh, have her live with other people elsewhere, pretty much as like a slave or at least a, a little a handmaiden of sorts. Um, and she's having none of that. She wants to take her own destiny um, in her hands, which I respect. Unfortunately, to do this, it does require a blood sacrifice. And not just one, but many. Ultimately, her whole family uh, is doomed in this movie. Um, The aesthetic? She's great. I mean, she doesn't seem like she would be her stereotypical witch. Um, She's very pretty, uh, a blonde, and she's, she's not 
overly sexualized uh, and she comes off very sincere and innocent, I find that it was really effective because I wasn't sure based on the performance too, the way that it's written, whether or not I should be rooting for or against her. And for the, for the most part, I think the movie wants you to sympathize with her because she is sort of accused so often, um, especially by her younger siblings. Vocalization, I love the actual witch herself. We get some, some scariness there in terms of uh, crotchety old screechery um but she does mask herself as a beautiful woman when she first allures in caleb ultimately kind of steals his soul we'll talk more about that when we get to the ensemble um but beyond the motivation the aesthetic i, I also want to just mention how it it does something really original with a, a witch story even though witches have been around forever uh, i do feel like this takes a new approach i really like that it was a period piece and I, I don't know. I, I I love this witch. I would I would let her eat my baby. <laughs> um, let's pop over and talk about our big bads in the green room, because really there are a bunch. Um, ultimately, they they come off as though they are a, a right wing Nazi group. They definitely are Nazi like, but it's interestingly um, described as far left, like extreme far left group which I really didn't understand why it was it was called that. I needed a little more clarification because it just seemed like like Nazis to me. Skinheads, um, interestingly enough, our biggest bad in this movie is played by the maybe most well-known skinhead next to Bruce Willis, Patrick Stewart, uh, as Darcy Banker. And honestly, I loved seeing Patrick Stewart as a villain. He does so well being methodic, really calm. He never loses his cool, which makes him that much scarier. The way that he's ultimately able to just control all these big, like violent, thuggish dudes with really no sense of right and wrong. And they're willing to murder anyone if it means um, uh, it's going to keep them one day further doing drugs and hating. Um, so... I definitely love Patrick Stewart as Darcy. I thought he did a great job. He was super freaky. And for the most part, his underlings are all pretty intimidating. Um, maybe the one that's the least, but he's still really entertaining to watch. Justin, who is played by Eric Edelstein. You would recognize him in a heartbeat. He's a great character actor. He's been in all sorts of TV and film. Um, he plays kind of the guy who is forced to keep them in the green room after the horror uh, begins. Which brings me to Worm. Worm is our most overtly psychotic, uh, perhaps, of all the skinheads. He kills our, our first victim in the film by just plunging a knife into her head. We don't actually see it on camera, but the whole plot is ultimately set off when Emily's body is accidentally seen by Anton Yelkin's Pat, our, our, the main bassist of the band, and of our central hero. Um, he sees it, their phones are ripped away, they're all corralled into the green room, told to stay there, Big Justin kind of keeps him in there, and then you got a number of other underlings who are uh, forced to then do the bidding of Patrick Stewart, who owns the property, who is pretty much the most liable for what happened there. So it becomes clear that the only way out of this, now that they've seen the death, or the dead Emily, rather, is take them all down. And they plan to frame 
uh, it, as though they had trespassed on the property, were trying to siphon gas, that the dogs ate them, and, or not ate them, but chewed them up, and that they, they pretty much fought back uh, intruders. Uh, but that's obviously not what happened. They set out to murder these people, um, pretty much to save their own hides is the motivation of the antagonists here. You know, white power uh, to sustain their mission, I guess you could say. Uh, it is a very real motivation. They're motivated by, by money and power and uh, selfishness, ultimately, um, and ignorance, one could argue. The aesthetic is what you would expect from uh, most skinheads, certainly the underlings. I guess you could argue that Patrick Stewart is kind of like a button-up Nazi in a way. He does apparently have uh, control of the entire property as well as their drug business and is able to wrangle in people to do his dirty work for him. Um, and he doesn't have any like clear tattoos. His skinheadedness isn't overtly Nazi in nature. Um, he looks like Picard. He looks relatively likable, and that's what makes him so scary, honestly, because he is almost able to lure them out initially, um, and he's, he's, he's willing to do whatever it takes, even if it means mutilating these poor, these poor kids in the band. Um, so in terms of the vocalization, specifically for our head, Patrick Stewart, awesome, because he never loses his temper. It's really, it's a sick performance. Uh, it, it's worth it just for his performance. The rest of the movie is great, but if you, you've, it's like you've never seen Patrick Stewart before. In terms of originality, I, I have never seen something so effectively done that deals with uh, like white supremacists in the upper Northwest. I, I felt like it was wholly unique and continues to be timely um, given the events uh, of late. Um, okay, beyond that, I'm going to go ahead and divvy out my pentagrams, and I'm going to give the witch, in terms of the antagonist, a 4, and I'm going to give the green room a 3.5. Moving on to the ensemble. In the witch, we do not have a weak member in the bunch, and frankly, with such seasoned actors like Ralph Ineson as William, the father, and Kate Dickey, who you'll recognize from Game of Thrones as the sister who's thrown down um, the ginormous hole to her death. Uh, they are amazing as the parents, uh, pitch perfect. I will admit that I, I watched this, I've watched this multiple times, but one time I did watch it with my sister and my mom, and they had trouble understanding just the old-timey accent. Um, so that is something to consider, I reckon, in terms of the ensemble. But for me, I, I thought they did a great job, and I really got immersed in it. Um, our star player, though, is Harvey Scrimshaw, this kid actor, this little guy uh, who plays Caleb, her younger brother, but not. Um, she has two younger siblings beyond him who are Mercy and Jonas, who also do a really good job and are super annoying, and you sort of hate them um, until you realize, oh, crap, they were right the whole time. But I would say that the star of the movie, next to Thomason, because I think she does do, I think Anna Anya Taylor-Joy does a really good job. Uh, but I gotta give it to Harvey Scrimshaw's Caleb. We're gonna talk about the scariest scene, and he's definitely part of it. Uh, I, I like them all. The acting ability is phenomenal in this film, and I can't say a bad, a bad thing about it, to be honest with you. The relationship dynamics are so well executed. The one between the, the parents, ultimately, and the tension that they face with just trying to supply enough food. The way that the father is always chopping wood is kind of weird in its own way. It's like he doesn't even want to be 
the dad doesn't want to be there with him. He resents having to kind of supply them with sustenance and fire and warmth. Um, but interestingly, he does seem the closest to Thomason, who is our big bad, our, our kind of central big bad. So one could argue that perhaps their relationship is connected because they both have kind of this deep-seated evil in them, or at least inhumanity. Um, and I do really like Thomason's relationship with her mother as well, because the mother is kind of the opposite of the father in terms of her relationship to Thomason. She don't like her. She finds her, um, it seems like almost a threat to take over for her um, in kind of like a weird incestuous sort of strangeness that's an undertone in it. It's certainly not um, on top of the surface here, but it's the resent of the mother for the daughter and of course blaming her for the baby being lost initially um, I'm sure has a lot to do with it, not most to do with it. But then I think she does hate the fact that the father is not harboring as much resent that she lost their youngest child, their babe. Um, acting ability again, amazing. Diversity, nothing there. We got old-timey New England. What do you expect? Um, okay, let's pop over to the Green Room Ensemble. I freaking love this ensemble, too. As noted before, our lead is Anton Yelkin who was one of my favorite young actors of all time, honestly. Uh, unfortunately, he has passed away. He was tragically killed. Um, uh, look into it if you want to, but it was, it was really... It's kind of hard to watch him in this movie, seeing what happens to him in the film, knowing what actually happened in real life. So, I mean, this, this podcast goes out to Anton Yelkin out there in the great beyond because he was an amazing actor um, and... I'll never forget him. I think he's great. Um, I think I especially loved him in his guest spot in Curb Your Enthusiasm. He's one of the few characters that was ever able to uh, really one-up Larry. So uh, he does awesome. He's, his arm is tragically ripped apart when he's about to give back the gun that they've kind of confiscated to give them a little bit of leverage when they're being trapped in the room. And they make a deal, and he's about to give the gun to them, but then they realize, uh-oh, we're being double-crossed here. So then they just take a razor to his hand while he's holding the gun and just tear it to shreds. And he pulls it back in, and oh, just the short frames that we see of what has happened to his arms, it's, it's, it's revolting. It's really effective, let's put it that way. Um, we don't, unfortunately, get to see Emily act. She's just dead from the top. But it did seem like that was an actor that I was actress I was familiar with, Taylor Toons. I'd have to look into what else she'd be in. She, she was really familiar looking, though. Um, and then, of course, our two main females' uh, performances are from Imogene Poots, uh, which most people know. Uh, she plays Amber in this. Uh, she's Emily's friend who is there. She witnessed the murder to begin with. And then she's kind of trapped with the band when the band is then trapped in the room after um, they witness the dead body. Um, and then you have Aaliyah Shawkat, who, of course, is maybe from Arrested Development in a role like you've never seen her before. Between her and Patrick Stewart, seeing them do these uh, characters that you wouldn't really expect from them. I freaking love it. She's the guitarist of the band. Her band's name is Ain't Rights. Um, and she plays a really subtle performance, and I believe it when she's, when she's scared. She doesn't, like, go over the top with it. She's not your typical... Uh, girl being chased by murderers. She she does well with her character, Sam, and making it really interesting. And, and her relationship with our main character, Pat, 
and even to a lesser degree the other bandmates, is fascinating and fun to watch. And you care about most of them, I would say, in the band. Um, to a lesser degree, maybe Joe Cole and, um, who is it here, Callum Turner, as recent Tiger, the other two members of the band, the drummer and the singer. I, I guess you get a better sense of Callum, who's the singer. He's kind of the tough guy. Uh, he does break the arm of Big Justin in a pretty gruesome way. And then ultimately, when they realize the shit is at the fan and there's no turning back, they kill Big Justin. Um, he essentially chokes him out. But then it is Imogene Poots Amber, who's resentful and pissed off that her friend was killed and that they're going to try and get away with it slices him with a razor in the belly and another really just short graphic little moment there that's unforgettable really and again i would say that all of the skinheads working for our boy patrick stewart were really interesting um there's also a minor role at the top who who, this character named tad who's the radio host and the promoter who ultimately gives them this gig he's kind of responsible for it all going down he was not cognizant that this was going to go the way it did but he is kind of the the crux at the top that led them to their doom with the exception of uh, we do have two surviving characters which we'll talk about here in a minute but before we do that let's go ahead and rank these puppies i'm gonna have to give the witch a four for ensemble they're all amazing and i hate to say it but i'm gonna have to give green room a four as well i don't hate to say it i love to say it both amazing casts um, but yeah, let's talk about the surviving characters in The Witch. It's just Thomason. It's just our character who was accused of being a witch the entire time who turns out, you know what? She has been, and she did sacrifice that baby, and she did make a deal with the devil, played by a goat, a very mean goat. This goat is ultimately who kills her father by, by ramming him into the house, and all the wood he's been chopping piles up on him. It's a great scene. Scary goat. Um, Black Peter, I think his name is, uh, the goat's name. Uh, her determination to survive, I think, is, is paramount to the film. She wants to survive so bad that she's not going to uh, even give a crap about her own family. She is like the epitome of a teenager who's disregarding familial bonds and going to take it to the extent that pretty much murders them. Um, she is determined to survive the rest of them not so much that's why she is a really profound surviving character to me because she is the bad guy we have what would seem to be our final girl who's being wrongly accused actually be our villain at the end i freaking loved it and in terms of iconic status as i mentioned my favorite witch she's maybe my favorite witch in film as as it stands Um, We're talking about surviving characters now in the green room, and the only people that make it out alive uh, is Anton Yelkin and Imogene Poots. So Pat, the bassist, who had his arm sliced up, as I mentioned before, and then um, Amber, who was the kind of the skinhead. She's not necessarily a skinhead, but she does hang out with the skinheads. She was friends with Emily, who died, who was dating actually two skinheads, a major plot point involved. that The reason she was killed is because she was having an affair with uh, one of the secondary henchmen um, to this character, Worm, who is the lead of kind of the Nazi band uh, that is headlining. I think it was Cowcatcher is the name of the band or something. Um, but I think both of these are really iconic surviving characters in themselves. Imogene Poots is a great final girl in that she's pretty much uh, doing it 
for her friend who's been murdered, and Anton Yelkin is just trying to survive. One could argue that Imogene Poots maybe puts herself in positions where her determination to survive could be called into question. But Anton Yelkin had a sliced up arm and he was still fighting and kicking and, and doing what it took to get out of there. Um, just sadly, all of his bandmates died along the way. Um, probably the most grisly deaths were the two where the dogs maul um, Aaliyah Shawkat Sam in the neck, as well as, I believe it was, the singer Tiger. Horrible. Horrific. Um, and I think that Callum... Oh, you know what? I take it back. Uh, the singer is stabbed brutally by one of the henchmen when he's trying to escape, and it is Reese, the drummer, that is mauled by the dog because the singer gets out of the way just in time but ultimately meets his own demise once he goes out this hatch there's a nazi waiting step 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 he was toast uh and these are characters that you've grown to like and you really felt intense with them in there but when we're talking about surviving characters we are talking about sam and of course imogene poots's amber both iconic, as iconic as The Witch. I'm not sure about that. I think this is maybe Anton Yelkin's best role. Most people might recognize him from uh, Alpha Dogs. He's the kid that's kidnapped in that. Um, but I personally think this is his best best performance by far. So in terms of that, you got to give him uh, some extra pentagram points here. Let's go ahead and rank them. In terms of surviving characters, I'm gonna go ahead and give The Witch a four. It's got four across the board. This is the first time movie's gotten three fours in a row like this. Um, and only because uh, Imogene Poots' Amber doesn't, seems to kind of like throw her life in jeopardy on multiple occasions. I'm just gonna give that puppy a 3.5. But I would give Anton himself, if Imogene wasn't there with him, he deserves his own four, but as a whole, it's going to go down to 3.5 because she does kind of do some silly things, suicidal things almost. Um, okay, let's talk about the setting. Okay, the setting in The Witch is awesome and bleak. We have 1630 um, in New England, uh, English settlers ultimately. It is a Puritan Plymouth colony that they are banished from um, because of a, a religious dispute, which one would infer has to do with potentially... Uh, witchcraft being presumed of them um so i think it really sets it up well with a, a communal setting where there is comfort but they're outcast now they're just ultimately going into the woods trying to find a new place to live uh and it, it's bleak it's always gray with the exception of when the baby's still alive or or one scene where the kids are playing by the water uh, it is, is a dark, dark film, um, just in composition. And all the trees are leaveless and spooky. Super spooky looking as a whole. Uh, great, great ambience that's created. Um, utilization of space. We do go into the woods. We get to see the witch's little hut there that she has or whatever it is. Um, shanty. And, of course, you get a good sense of the house. It is very spartan. There is, like, nothing on the walls very crappy beds like hay stuffed in cloth sort of thing not not a comfortable place or stark i guess would be the right word for it um and uniqueness one could argue we have seen this in in films like the scarlet letter and and other other period pieces around the same time so 
Uh, it might take a ding on that, but I think what they did with the setting is really effective. I love the look of this film. I really do. I think it's gorgeous um, and how sad it is. Um, when we're talking about the green room, I also really love this setting because here we have them in um, the Pacific Northwest just trying to make a little bit of scratch. They're such a poor band, but they love making their music so much. Uh, that they, they're forced to kind of, on occasion, siphon gas to be able to get to gigs. Um, so they are kind of shown as morally ambiguous at the top, but what happens to them certainly isn't justification for siphoning a little gas. Um, the mood that the uh, actual Nazi venue set is just one filled with angst and just rage really is the best way to put it you have like symbols of swastikas and the ss all over the walls it's pretty much black walls with white graffiti more often than not um and the green room itself is just icky feeling i would say is the best way to put it and below that green room then you have your like drug lab that's going on um and then just the surrounding area of the venue is well used as well and of course then we get to actually see them in a more rural area where they're trying to fake this crime scene like the kids had ultimately trespassed and were uh, subsequently murdered because of that. But of course, our surviving characters finds Patrick Stewart there with his and one of his henchmen and wins the day, takes him down. It's a great final scene. The way that Patrick Stewart tries to slink out uh, of the situation is so fun, uh, but, but he gets his due. Nice. Nice couple shots to the back and then a shot to that old dome of his, that skinhead dome, um, which I felt was, was well done. Um, and the where it was set to, it seemed like a really a safe area and natural, and it didn't feel anything like what we were dealing with in the venue, um, which is, I think, why they won. Um, the actual venue itself is such a, a hate-filled place, but we have our final characters who are out in a more rural, comfortable natural space uh, highlighting their goodness, I guess, to, to a degree. Um, so let's go ahead and give some setting points out or setting pentagrams. I'm gonna go ahead and give a 3.5. Poor Witch has lost its four point streak, but I freaking love it. Almost deserves a four. And I'm gonna give the green room a four on this one because I've never really seen like a Nazi venue like this before. Not Nazi, white supremacist skinhead venue. Um, and the Pacific Northwest is well used to um, just in kind of the remoteness of this venue. Okay, let's talk about the deeper meanings in The Witch. I think there's a lot going on. I think a lot of it has to do with um, gender issues, uh, feminine agency uh, more than anything. We have Thomason here who is presumed evil. I would never consider um, Caleb when he comes back. He's really been bewitched too, but they refuse to accept his having been turned in the same way that Thomason has. And granted, it isn't quite the same way. He's been more ruined and she's been accepted by it. But I would argue that there is some pretty overt sexism on the part of the mother and even the younger children as well toward Thomason, uh, presuming that she's evil because of her gender almost and because of her, um, her sex. I would say also going on in here is just the, uh, the hardship associated with building a family outside of community that's not something that is easy ever so we ultimately we have foundation of a settler village 
and now they have to go on the outskirts of that into the wild. I think it's ultimately talking about how we are all just, especially back then, um, victims vulnerable to the elements, ultimately. And they're going to get you. The witch is like a metaphor for um, nature, really. And it's inevitable destruction of all things, pretty much, um, on Earth, living things at least. So I think the deeper meaning, it really revolves around uh, inner dynamics within uh, the family. And maybe, maybe one could argue that there's a deeper meaning with the father and daughter situation um, and the bond there that will never be understood by a mother, perhaps. I'm not sure. Just the nature and the power of that relationship was so mm, overpowering, I guess you could say, that there's probably some sort of deeper meaning cooking in that area. Um, if we look at the green room, I think it's it's dealing with uh, art, the creative, versus those that destroy. Um, those that hate versus those that try to create happiness. That's part of the irony in this is that you have this band going to just this hate-filled venue, um, but they sort of do bring them a little bit of joy, even though their music is like death metal, I guess you could say. Um, you do have these really venomous characters moshing and feeling good at least for a minute um, or two there uh, in a way that you wouldn't really normally see, like skinheads feeling good and letting loose. Um, so there, there's kind of that interesting creative versus destructor um, and ultimately the creative does have power over the destructor in a way that the destroyer would never have power with the exception of uh, just killing them over the creator so in life the creator has more power um, beyond that you got patriarchal stuff going on especially with Patrick Stewart's character and one could also argue there is a little bit of feminist empowerment going on with Imogene Poots's Amber character making it to the end avenging her friend to a degree and taking it to sick limits by specifically most most significantly just slicing the guy in the belly um yeah that seems something else so when we talk about deeper meanings giving it that pentagrams i'm going to go ahead and give the witch a three and i'm going to give green room also a three on that one and then finally let's talk about fright factor uh, I thought the witch is is scary. I, I think it is scary. I think there's uh, uh, a lot to be freaked out by, even if you don't believe in supernatural stuff. Um, the kill counts include the baby is eaten, both of the parents die. There's a scene where the mother is starting to hallucinate, and she thinks she has her dead baby back, but in fact she's she's seeing her baby when it's actually a crow, and she's letting it uh, suckle at her nipple and. Um, it's a crow really eating her breasts, and it's horrifying. It's really, really a, uh, a notable scene. Um, quality of kills, I think, are great. Uh, you have the father who is pretty much rammed to death by the goat. Um, the mother who is killed by Thomason in the end. Uh, that's when we really know she is, she's crossed the line. Of course, the baby disappearing and then getting eaten by the witch. Can't go wrong with that in terms of quality of kills and a horror. Um, and then, of course, we don't see the two young kids die, but we do see their bodies. One can assume um, it was the witch that, that did them, and maybe not Thomason. That's a little unclear. 
I think we're assuming it's the, the peripheral witch that kind of is drawing in Thomason that does that. The scariest scene by far for me is when Caleb comes back after having been bitten by the witch. He's now contaminated or ruined or whatever you want to call it. Um, and he can't wake up. He's like in a coma. But they ultimately are able to stir him a little bit. And he has this like holy experience where he's like seeing God. And he has this these shudders of ecstasy. But in reality, he's like he's about to be toast. Um, but the acting of this kid in this moment is so out of this world so freaky the way he thinks he's seeing god when we probably know he's you know got witch venom or whatever the hell in him and who knows whether or not there is that afterlife but he's being made to think there is maybe to get that blackness there's nothing more scarier than thinking there's an afterlife to end up with nothing so i think that's what was going on there um and that could actually tie back to the deeper meanings as well for me this this movie's it's it's freaky uh even even the good characters you're supposed to like, like the parents, they're not likable. Uh, maybe the dad a little bit, but the way he chops wood, it's just, it's a lot. Um, and then the two little kids who are constantly calling Thomason a witch and really kind of cruel to her about it, you can't like them either. Like you, you The most likable character is Thomason, who is the one uh, responsible for all their deaths, which I loved. I thought that that's scary. When you got the most likable person as... Uh, you're big bad. You're doing something right in terms of fright factor if it's still scary and you're able to pull that off. Um, in terms of the green room, this is a more visceral, real scary for me because we do have these sorts of factions, especially in the Pacific Northwest too. I know there's a lot of that going on with white supremacy um, and certainly disregarding the lives of anyone who gets in their way um, and certainly the tendency toward racism, sexism, um, bigotry, uh, just general bias across the board, um, unwillingness to accept other cultures or points of view, super scary. And to take it to that l length that they do, where they're willing to ultimately kill seven to eight kids, pretty much young or teens to early 20s, uh, it's, it's horrifying, especially with the uh, methodic nature in which Patrick Stewart is able to just rationally say okay this is what has to happen we have to set up a scene where their death can't be pinned on any of the nazis um and to use the dogs to maul the dog mauling was really scary because again people do mistreat animals to the point where they do become murderous killers fight dogs um i i, I mean they were pit bulls uh, i know people people love pit bulls but to me it, it scares me <laughs> pit bulls are scary to me personally um, maybe I'm a big wimp, but uh, when I see the stuff that I saw in this film um, and how these animals, what they can do, just gives me pause. Let's put it that way. Um, so again, the quality of kills, everyone goes out in a pretty grisly manner. Even the people that survive something pretty grisly happens to them um, across the board. I love the final kill of Patrick Stewart, as noted before multiple gunshots in the back and then like a miraculous hit to the head and he has a gun out and he just only is able to take one shot because he's pretty much dead and you would think it might hit one of them but they just they, they focus on how it, it doesn't and and it's not just like a throwaway shot it's like these these kids have locked out because you can tell that he he probably is a good shot and if he didn't have a bullet in his brain even though it looked like he was still cognizant um they would have been toast they would have lost in the end 
Um, music design is really interesting because you do have this death metal um, that's kind of the basis of the whole film. The band goes to a venue that leads to the majority of their death. Um, and I would say that the scariest scene is the scene where they're trying to give up the gun um, and then they realize, uh-oh, we can't do that. And then they have to tackle Big Justin, break his arm, slice his belly open. Just that whole sequence is really nasty, really scary because it feels so real. And just to see uh, poor Pat's hand, what has happened to it. Um, I don't know. That's what I remember the most about this movie, and it is the scariest thing to me. So when we're giving out scare factors, I'm going to give... 3.5 to the witch and I'm gonna give a 4 to the green room because I think it is a little scarier in how real and how relevant it is. Gosh adding this up I hate that this has happened now for the second time when I have not had a guest to help me break these down but I do have a tie of 22 pentagrams each so it is gonna boil down to preference uh, again with me. They are such great movies the both of them I would say in terms of just horror, though, uh, The Witch. The Witch is going to probably be the most iconic of that year. I think more people are cognizant of it, uh, and it is, it's it's touched more eyeballs than The Green Room. But that's not to say that The Green Room isn't equally as scary to me, um, just perhaps not quite as iconic. Um, no matter what, see both of them. But um, in this case, I'm going to have to break the tie and say the bell has rung the witch is the most iconic mainstream horror of the year 2015 i want to thank you all for listening to the icon showdown podcast as you do um and of course if you want to support the podcast hit up my media hub at parasociable.com where you'll find my novel company dreamer about the dream recording industry the one and only novel about the dream recording industry as well as the insight company is there which is a reality web series that uh, me and scott allen made about the dream recording industry beyond that there's all kinds of music and horror comedy shorts you can check out too um beyond that as they say in the business the bell is rung